You're just gonna stay angry at God for the rest of your Whether it's popular or not, we're seeking out what pleases the Lord. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the UPC Later podcast and the conclusion of the journey to authenticity. Getting to know our latest guest has been so much fun. She's been such a pleasure to speak with um, and to get to know, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear the remainder of her story. She does mention a few books and a podcast that she felt were helpful during her time of transitioning out of the church that I'm going to link in the description um, so you guys can check them out for yourselves. And with that, there's no housekeeping, no other things to mention. Let's get right to it and let's go. So we are back for part two of the journey to authenticity. Um, Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. Of course. How has it been to, uh, like, how have you been feeling since sharing the first part of your story? It felt really good. Um, I think I like blacked out a little bit on what I said. And it was, it was interesting to go back and listen to it. And I was like, I'm so glad that I sounded or, or that I was able to articulate myself like I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Cause a lot of the times, like this is the first time any of us are saying out loud what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Especially on, on a platform too. Yes. Um, like I, I've definitely talked to people about it, but as far as like publicly sharing it and going into more detail, this is, this, I feel like this is probably the first time that I've like actively talked about it like this. Well, I'm so glad that you are. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be thankful that you did. So we left off where you were running into some issues with the leadership at the church you were attending um, and they were former UPC. You felt like that was starting to bleed into what they were doing there. Um, so mm-hmm. what was your final decision when you left? Was it just, I'm going to stop going? Did you slowly stop attending? What sort of happened there? Um, I would say that it, it was definitely um, like a slower transition at that point. Um, the idea of leaving the church world altogether wasn't necessarily something that I was thinking about. Um, <clears throat> but there was um, a situation that happened and I basically from that situation, I think that, um, I needed a lot of people, um, to kind of help me through that. And I will say that the pastors did offer me support, but at the same time, I feel like it was, it was like, they only offered me support initially. And then when it came time for me to actually like sift through everything, I don't really feel like they were there for me in the way that they said that they would be. And so it was right around that time that I started going to therapy, um, which thank God I did because I had so many things to unravel outside of just the church. Right. Um, And I vividly remember walking into that therapist's office and like the day and I was just an absolute hot mess. And she, 
she was a Christian therapist, but she wasn't like, they didn't recommend me to her. I found her on my own. Um, because I just knew that I needed something because I just could not go on the way that I was. And, and my, my personality, I tend to be very internal anyways. And so, um, I think that I had kind of shut off a lot of my emotions and that I was just very disconnected from myself. And, um, so I started going to therapy and that really helped me. Um, and then with that church, it just kind of began to feel like I just wasn't going to be able to stay there anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, so I started going to another church in the area. I don't think that I ever um, told them that I was leaving, um, but I can't, I can't remember because it's, it's just been so long ago. Um, but I started going to a different church and that church was a lot bigger. Um, and the people there, I will say that I still, I still think very highly of that church today. Um, I think that they like, What's the word? I feel like they do a really good job of um, being like what a church should be. Okay. And so, so I felt like that was like a place where I could, I could go, I could heal, I could have this kind of newer um, experience with church. And like, maybe then I would be okay. And then my boyfriend at the time started going there and he started talking to the pastor and kind of told him, everything that had happened at the previous church. And so then it was like this thing followed me there and I know it was no longer a safe place for me. Um, and it was like, and it, it sucked because I was just about to like sing on their worship team. And I was like, just now getting like acquainted with this new, this new church and all the people within it. And then now here we are again. And I'm like back to square one. And I will say that they were all very gracious with me about it, but I, it just, I was having to share my story with people that I didn't know very well, basically. Um, and it wasn't on your then, time either. It wasn't something that no. you had to make the decision to do. It was sort of forced on you. Yeah. Yeah. It was at, and by my ex-boyfriend kind of forcing my hand, which I don't think he did it on purpose. I think he was also trying to get some support. Right. But in, in, in doing that, he like kind of squished my, my own journey. Um, and then he ended up not even really going to that church. So it was like all pretty much pointless. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he and I, he and I broke up um, in that relationship. I, I was absolutely devastated by the ending of that relationship. And, um, and so I kind of began to wonder like maybe, my time here is done. Maybe it's best if I move back closer to home. Uh, and that was never something that I thought that I would ever say. Yeah. Uh, just because I'm very independent and I just like to kind of go my own way. And um, so kind of similar in the way that I, that I left my, the previous state I lived in, um, I applied for a job and ended up getting the job. And it, my move happened pretty quickly. Um, and said goodbye to the people that I loved there, the people that were still part of my life, um, the people that at that church, 
that I was friends with and I left a little bit after Easter in 2019. And how was that transition coming back to the place where you were before, like the same area? um, Well, so it wasn't the same area because I, I grew up um, kind of in two states. And so all of my family lived in um, another, like another state. So I was coming back to kind of where I was born, not necessarily where, where all the, the part one of my story happened. Got it. So it was kind of like I was moving to, it was or at least it felt like a new place um, because I hadn't lived there in my like adult life. Got it. And did Um, that feel like the the fresh start that you were hoping for? It did. It did. And I, I moved in with my dad. um, And at that point I hadn't spent much time with him um, because we weren't super close growing up. And so it was really nice to be around my dad. And the thing about my dad is he's very, uh, He's very liberal. He's very spiritual. He likes Buddhism. Um, And so, and he grew up Pentecostal as well. And so my dad and I, we would have all these very deep spiritual talks about things. And when I was living with him, I would say that it was probably the first time in my life where I felt like there was no pressure for me to attend a, a church. Okay. I was just kind of existing in my own space and I was like, well, what do I do? What do I do now? <laughs> right. What a, what a uh, different sort of atmosphere and environment that must've been for you. It, yeah. And, uh, and I tried to go to a couple of churches. Um, one of them was like a big mega church in the area. And uh, I, I think I went to one service there and you walk in and everybody's like, Oh, welcome home. And I just, it really made me kind of, it just gave me the ick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, I hate that phrase. Um, (laughs) It's just like gross. And uh, so I didn't really like that, that church. And then I went to a Methodist church um, and the congregation was predominantly white and I just didn't really like that either. There was just no diversity. Okay. Um, and, and so I kind of just realized like, well, maybe like it's okay for me to take a break from going to church. Maybe that's what I need to do. And how did that and, feel once you, once you decided to, to do that? Was that like a, a liberating feeling? Oh, absolutely. But I think I was also very scared because up until this point, I think at the, I was like 24, 23, 24. Um, you know, up until that point, my, my whole identity, my whole life had been wrapped up in going to church, serving the church in some capacity. Right. And when, when that's your whole identity, you're kind of just staring at, you know, your, your life and like, well, what now? <laughs> like, who, who actually am I? Right. And taking the time to discover that, you know, it's not an easy overnight type of thing. No, it wasn't. And, and I really, I really dove into that process. Um, I started reading books. I don't know if you know who Rob Bell is. I do not. Um, Tell me about that. But if, oh, I definitely recommend everybody who is going through a deconstruction process to, go listen to his podcast. He has a book. 
um, this book is, I, I want to say, like, very much a catalyst for me. Um, but it's called Love Wins. And the, the subtitle is a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who ever lived. Mm. And that book really opened up the floodgates um, for me because the concept of, of hell and being eternally consciously tormented was never something that I could really wrap my head around. Okay. And, and, you know, in the, in the UPC world, you're, you're taught that if you don't do these specific things, then you're, you're going to hell forever. And for me, like reconciling that with a loving God, just, I was never able to do that. And, and that book really helped me see God, Jesus in a, in a new way. And it just kind of, I think, opened my eyes that there's actually other paths that you can go down that are not fear-based theology. Right. Cause I do, um, I do believe that even though there's people within the UPC and similar um, places that are well-meaning, good people, um, the UPC itself is a fear-based theology, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, and that's what is holding people there and bringing people, you know, to what they believe and their convictions is fear. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And, and, and I kind of broke apart the, the idea with like um, morality being based in fear of like, you're only a good person because you're afraid to go to hell. And that's the only thing that that's keeping you in line or in check. Because I, I think like I looked at people growing up who, who weren't Pentecostal or weren't, weren't believers and, and I would see them happy and I would see them thriving. And I would think to myself, like, how are they able to do that and feel free? Because I don't like, I'm constantly afraid that, <laughs> that I'm going to go to hell. Right. And then I realized that, um, like, I just don't, I don't feel like the mess, the message of the UPC is rooted in the good news that it like the Bible and Jesus should be. I agree. I think it's very, um, like you said, fear-based. Um, I think that's the perfect description for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't, I, I don't understand um, the, the point of that. And whenever I talk to people about it and I, I try to explain it, like the way that the UPC views God is very, like he's basically a narcissistic God. Um, and this might, what I'm about to say might throw people for a loop, but I always say that um, like we're, we're given free will, except we have to do X and Z or we go to hell. So in reality, we don't actually have free will. <laughs> Um, if, if that's the way that they want to say that we should believe, because where is the, like, technically there's a choice, but it's still an ultimatum. Right. It's like, you, you can do what you want, but you better do it this way Mm -hmm. or else. (laughs) Yeah. Or else that's it. There's a big Um, or else. Yeah. Like I'm, I will love you 
if you do these things. Otherwise, I'm going to have to send you to hell and you're going to just burn for forever. And you're going to, you're going to feel every like, you know, morsel of your skin melting forever. And I just like, I just don't understand, you know, the, that concept. And that, that is really what drove me to investigate further to deconstruct. And I, and I, I think now the word deconstruct is probably a lot more pre- prevalent than it was whenever I was doing it. Um, and so I just started scouring the internet podcasts, whatever I could find to, to help me on this, this journey. And I love that. I love that you took the time to do that. Um, Cause like the previous story I was saying, you know, it's really hard to come to the realization that you don't believe what you had previously believed for so long. Mm-hmm. And so to take the time to really invest and to grow, um, I think is so commendable. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. I-, I think I just wanted to, I just wanted, I think I was just, I had such a hunger for knowledge and a hunger for, to kind of validate my own feelings as well. And Absolutely. with, and then like, you know, which I think this just goes to show you like the importance of your podcast, because at that point in my journey, like there were podcasts that I'd found of people deconstructing their faith and like talking about these things. And that helped me so much in my my own journey and yeah, I don't think I would have been able to to go as far as I as I did um with my deconstruction without those things right I think it's you know the amount of support that's out there now as opposed to a couple years ago five ten fifteen years ago it's just it's so much more tangible now um, which I think is amazing yeah um I I do want to backtrack to Um, the previous episode where you said that you took some time after leaving um, to find a healthy relationship with sex outside of the organization. Um, And, you know, anybody who was born between, I feel like, 1980 and now has dealt with some uh, form of purity culture within the church Mm -hmm. itself. Um, And the UPC, it's very heavy. Um, So how do you feel like that helped you to to kind of break away from the purity culture that's taught um, and to really figure it out for yourself? Um, you know, I, I remember whenever I was a teenager in the youth group and um, I was given this book that was called Not Even a Hint. And um, it's by the same guy who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Um, and he is now <laughs> issued apology for the books that he wrote um, I did um, see that I, and I was like oh okay because I was like yeah when which... I read I kissed dating goodbye I was like I'm never gonna date a person in my life because this guy has written such a compelling convicting book yeah well and and then I feel like not even a hint was even worse than that book because um the the title of the book is derived from the scripture that talks about not even a hint of sexual immorality and um as a, as a teenage girl beginning to explore her body, I read this book and in it, it talked so much about, um, like, you know, I don't know what was appropriate for me to say on this podcast, but, um, That's okay. Go for it. just about, about like self-pleasure 
um, was a, a big chapter in that book. And here I am a teenage girl exploring her body. And then this book is telling me that that's sinful. And I'm like, oh my, like, oh my God, like I need to stop doing that. And so, uh, so I would, and then obviously like I would fall back, you know, quote unquote, fall back into it. And then that would, it was just a very endless cycle of shame. Okay. And, and so, you know, that, that was a very pivotal moment in my life. And I'm given this book and, and I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, I feel like I am just a harlot, you know, and that obviously is not the case. Um, So it was things like that growing up that made me feel very ashamed of myself. And then I I also think as a woman in that organization, um, it's extremely problematic that all of the standards tend to be focused on the women. Um, And I feel like they just kind of made up some standards for the men because there just wasn't enough of them. (laughs) Yeah. Is the it's the way that I feel. Um, they're like, yeah, you you can't wear shorts or you can't have a beard. Meanwhile, you know, we're over here wearing long skirts and long hair and no makeup and no jewelry and no, just no, 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 no. Right, tank tops under t-shirts that you know, and pinning things everywhere. And I, I feel yes. like my fingertips are numb from the amount of times that they were pricked from trying to you know, pin something together to make it less appealing. Yes. And, and I, I was listening to your story yesterday and and the, the bit that you had in it about, um, a woman's skirt, how it was like tucked underneath her butt and how they were like, you know, you don't ever want to look like that skirt's too tight. And that made me think about my, myself because I'm a curvier person. And even whenever I was in high school and I was like 135 pounds, like I was still very curvy and it, the way clothes fit me, it just kind of, that's just how they fit me. Right. And I feel like I was always hyper aware of my body um, at a very early age. And then you tack on the, oh, like, you know, you don't want to make a man stumble. And, and I was always just like, why is it my responsibility to make sure that someone else doesn't look at me in a sexual way? Like, that's not really adding up. Right. Yeah, the accountability is not evenly distributed, it seems to be, um, within the organization. No, no and, and so you take all of that, and then you take me um, and all the experiences I had with, you know, at the other, at the other churches um, who, you know, told me that I couldn't have sex with my boyfriend and, and all of that, and now I'm in this this space where I'm not going to church, I'm investigating myself, my sexuality. Um, and I come to the realization that there was, um, I think he has his PhD. So I think his name is Dr. Preston Sprinkle. Or no, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong name. I'm not certain <laughs> on that. Because um, there's been so many of them that I've, that I've listened to. But basically, it was just kind of like, why is God so obsessed with our sexual desires and and I think that that was like point one of me kind of breaking everything apart and then I realized that 
I think people can take anything and abuse it. Yes. And, and for me, I began to look at my relationship with myself and the concept of sin in itself. And I don't necessarily, now I don't really like the word sin, but now I view it as any time that I betray myself will qual- will qualify that as a sin. And so when it comes to sex, like it's, it's my body and I get to decide what I get to do with it. And if I'm doing that in a harmful way to myself or to somebody else, then that is not okay. Right. But if I am, if I am using that as a means to just like connect with somebody or I'm reclaiming parts of my sexual identity through that and it's offering me healing, then that's okay. Right. Because there's an obvious, you know, internal right and wrong that most people have that you don't need to hear from another person. Yes. And that, that also makes me think about um, the other thing that I always say is that if, if God created me in his image and he's holy, then by default, I'm holy. And everything that I need already exists within me. And I don't need to look externally to find those things. Right. And I, and I think that the UPC, it, it like ingrains it in you that you can't trust yourself, that you, your flesh is inherently sinful. Um, You can't be trusted and all, all of these things. And so in a lot of ways, my journey with my sexuality was directly tied to trusting myself and listening to my body and listening to my own intuition. Which I love. I love that for you. Um, Cause I know it's so tough. Um, Cause like you said, they tell us whatever you're feeling is wrong. Any feelings you have are wrong and, and you need somebody to counsel with, or you need to go to God in prayer. And it's like, no, this is like my gut intuition. That's supposedly God given. Like, why would I not listen to, to what my body is, is trying to tell me? Exactly. And, and again, it's just like, I, I feel like the, of not trusting yourself and not trusting your flesh directly is essentially like an, an insult to God. <laughs> because I'm like, well, why, why would he spend time making me and putting all of these things inside of me only for then for me to say like, no, I'm actually sinful and I can't be trusted. Right. Like I, I and, just and- don't feel like those two things make sense. And taking the time um, to actually trust yourself is such an incredible feeling. Um, Cause it's like, man, if I had, if I had gone with my gut pr- like prior and, and done this sooner, I could have avoided so many things in my life. Personally, I know for myself that I'm like, a lot of these things didn't have to happen, but I just, I couldn't listen to myself. I couldn't trust what I was feeling at the time. Well, and I also think that in an abusive relationship, that's kind of what they do. They kind of tear down your sense of self and make you complete, whether they, you know, I've, 
I'm using, I'm comparing it to abuse because I know a lot of people experience spiritual abuse. Um, but that kind of environment, it, it does wear down your sense of self and you kind of adopt this like communal mindset and it just really strips away your sense of self. Yeah. It takes away your ability. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say that it, I feel like it makes it harder for you to listen to that internal voice. Right. You're no longer an individual. You're just a product of what they're telling you to do and to be. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So so thank you for sharing that with me. Cause I, when you said it on the last episode, I was like, I really want to make sure that we give that the space that it deserves. Cause I know a lot of people who are leaving have left who are still in um, considering leaving deal with that sort of, a thing of not being able to understand themselves completely. So thank you for sharing that um, with me. Um, My next question is a lot of people are saying that I've talked to that, that they're just happy to be gone. Um, That even if there was something that could have been done to keep them, they're happy that it didn't happen. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but was there a point that if a situation was handled differently or if somebody had said something different that you feel like maybe you would have stayed within the organization? I don't, I don't really think that I would have. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it's impossible to know for sure, but I think that the journey that I was on, I, I think really, really early on, I knew that things were just not adding up. And regardless of the fact that there are so many good people within it and there are people actually trying to make a difference, I think that at the end of the day, for me, the the theology and the fear-based, specifically fear-based theology, was just never going to make sense for me. Right. Like Um, eventually you would have found your way out. Right, right. Um, especially because now I uh, am out as bisexual. I obviously support the LGBTQ community. Um, and I, I just can no longer reconcile that people loving who they love is sinful and that they're going to go to hell. So even with just that alone, like I could never, I could never go back into a space that so proudly proclaims that they're all going to hell. Right. Okay. Thank yeah, and thank you for sharing that with me as well. Um because yeah. I, I know there's a lot of people within the organization and I feel like it's more prevalent than anybody's willing to admit, um, uh, that people who are within the LGBTQ community um are, are still trying to serve and are still trying to be there um in some sort of capacity out of, you know, this fear based theology that they're being told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it makes me really sad. Um, because I think at the end of the day, all, all we really want, and I think this just rings true with my story as a whole is all we really want is to belong and we want to be accepted for exactly who we are. And if I could say anything to people in that space who are, who are a part of the LGBTQ community and haven't come out yet, or are trying to pretend like they're not gay Like there is a whole world out there and a whole community of people waiting to accept you 
just as you are without having to change a single thing about yourself. And that's something that I wish I had known was on the other side of everything. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people, you just don't know. I mean, you're told that there's only damnation and failure on the other side and there's truly not. No, there, there's so much freedom and so much goodness and so much richness and, and now I feel like I have so many friends um, that have supported me and have been there for me and never asked me to change anything about myself. They just love me and that's it. Right. True unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, final that, that's not something that they, they know how to do, it seems. No, no, it doesn't feel that way. Um, not, not as a as an entire organization it doesn't feel that way no um final question um where do your beliefs uh land now as opposed to where they were within the organization um I think that now I hold everything very loosely um I think that there's a lot of danger in certainty. And I, and I think that's really where a lot of people in the evangelical space really miss the mark is because they really want to believe that they are certain that this is the exact path. Um, And I just don't, I don't think the Bible was meant to be taken literally. I think that these were people sharing their experiences and their the way that they experienced whatever happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think that the Bible has a lot of useful things in it with like parables and things like that. And, um, but I, I don't, I don't read my Bible anymore. I don't feel a sense of comfort from it. Um, and I don't, I don't listen to worship music anymore because a lot of a lot of the lyrics just don't sit well with me. Okay. Um and I don't I don't go to church anymore. I, I will go to church sometimes for my for my family, like on holidays, but that's about as much as I can tolerate. Okay. Um and so yeah, now I just I wouldn't say that I don't I don't believe in God because I definitely believe in something, but I just tend to hold it all looser and just keep my mind open. And I try to live my life in a way that is um, honoring myself first and foremost. Um, Because at the end of the day, I have to live with myself. (laughs) Right. And um, there's a a book by Glennon Doyle called Untamed. And there's a a quote in it that says... um, essentially that I will disappoint as many people as I have to, if that means that I never disappoint myself. Wow. How beautiful. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that's really kind of the, the creed that I live by um, because I want to hold myself to the, the highest standard possible. And, um, and if I'm not doing that, then I'm, I'm in misalignment with who I am. And, and, yeah, so that's just kind of the way that I live my life. Um, 
and it's very freeing. It's very comforting. I don't feel like I'm missing something. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like I'll, I'll ever go back. Mm -hmm.